Hello and welcome to the Soccer History USA podcast. On today's episode, goals, goals, goals. In the previous episode, I talked about the origins of the ASL and its early days. On today's show, we'll examine the state of the league after the first quarter of the season, or about seven games played. A glance at the league table shows that undefeated Philadelphia is top at 13 points, closely followed by Todd's Shipyards on 12. No surprises here, since both Philly and Todd's were among the favorites heading into the season. After the first two, there's a bit of a gap with the remaining teams bunched together with only four points separating five clubs. New York with seven, J&P Coates at six, Harrison with five, Holyoke at four, and Fall River at the bottom of the table with just three points. One of the key storylines of the season so far is Philadelphia's dominance, going undefeated in its first seven games, winning six and drawing just one. They were averaging more than three goals per game while conceding less than one. The only thing keeping them from a perfect record was a 3-3 draw at New York on October 9th. 2,000 spectators saw the home side take the lead after 15 minutes, thanks to a goal from right-back Rudolf Hunziker, a Swiss international who had reportedly made appearances versus Italy and France. New York took the 1-0 lead to the dressing room at halftime. Just five minutes after the restart, the Quaker City squad equalized thanks to an own goal by New York's right halfback. Forward Harold Britton followed up with two quick goals to put the Phillies up by two. New York pressed hard for a goal and were rewarded thanks to a brilliant individual effort from Tommy Duggan. Just as it looked as though the visitors would walk away with the two points, New York striker Rooney netted one in the 85th minute to rescue a point. Second place Todds were also scoring goals led by their Mac attack, a trio of Scottish-born players who together scored 16 goals in just eight matches. All three had been key members of the 1920-21 national champion Robins Dry Dock side, one of the clubs that merged to form Todds. Frank McKenna, center forward, played second division football in Scotland before coming to the United States. Some sources indicate that he may have had a few games with Bethlehem Steel before joining Robbins in 1920. Jack Maguire, whose usual position was at inside right, played for Dundee and St. Johnston in Scotland before immigrating to Canada after World War I. While living in Toronto, he lined up for Ulster United, but left to join Robbins in 1919. McGuire scored a goal in the Challenge Cup final over Skull and Steel in the spring of 1921. Later, McGuire earned a single cap for the U.S. against Canada in 1925, a game less remembered for McGuire's international debut as for Archie Stark's five goals, handing Canada its worst-ever loss against the United States. McGuire is the only member of the MAC attack elected to the National Soccer Hall of Fame. George McKelvey, outside right arguably the best of the three Scots, experienced player who spent much of the teens manning the right-back position for Bethlehem Steel. In just about six seasons with that club, he won an incredible five National Challenge Cups and three American Cups. He also was part of the squad that toured Scandinavia in 1919. 
He won another National Challenge Cup after joining Robbins Dry Dock for the 1920-21 season, and like his right-side partner Jack McGuire, scored in the final. Known for his ability to cross the ball, McKelvey obviously had developed great chemistry with McGuire, and they marauded up and down the right side, playing a fast and incisive style that helped put Todd's near the top of the table. And now for some headlines from off the pitch. The trial of Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle got underway in San Francisco. The actor and comedian is charged with manslaughter in the death of actress Virginia Rappe. Negotiations began in London between British Premier David Lloyd George and Irish representatives. Observers are optimistic that an agreement could be reached that would establish an Irish free state. Some, however, worry that the Ulster question could derail peace efforts. At the annual meeting of the National Prohibition Committee in Chicago, Organization Chair Virginia Hinshaw criticized President Harding for what she claimed was his indifference towards enforcing the law banning alcohol. In sports, the New York Giants were crowned kings of baseball after defeating the New York Yankees in the first ever Subway World Series. Each player on the winning team took home $5,265. While Philadelphia and Todd's were flying high at the top of the table, things were not looking so good for those at the bottom. Fall River started the season slowly and then proceeded to lose four straight while conceding 16 goals in just seven games. The real crisis, however, and the first serious challenge to face the new league was the collapse of the Jersey City Celtics. Despite investing $6,000 in the club, the Celtics were a disaster on the pitch failing to record a win in their first five games. The biggest problem was a leaky defense as they lodged a goal differential of minus 19. Typical of the club's results was a 7-0 drubbing by Todd's shipyards in late September. Todd's was up 4-0 after the first 45 minutes and cruised in the second half. The New York Tribune reported that the home side was superior at every point in the game, and at no stage was there any doubt as to the outcome. Frank McKenna netted a hat trick in the tie. The club also had problems landing a secure lease at their home ground, the field known as Skeeter's Park. It was primarily a baseball park, and those games took precedence, forcing the Celtics to cancel several previously scheduled home games due to conflicts with the baseball team. On December 10th, Thomas Cahill confirmed that the club was forfeiting its American Soccer League franchise and withdrawing from the league. All results against the team were voided. The sponsor of today's show is Atlantic Gasoline. Today's Atlantic is higher in calorific power, finer in balance, more complete in combustion. In short, it's better than ever. Atlantic Gasoline puts pep in your motor. The ASL had experienced some growing pains in its inaugural season. The failure to reach an agreement that would include Bethlehem Steel playing under its own name and the collapse of Jersey City, probably the two biggest. Another challenge soon appeared in November, however, 
when United States Football Association Secretary and ASA official James Schofield disappeared along with $1,200 of the Federation's money. Schofield had been born in England and came to the United States around 1911. He was prominent in regional soccer circles as president of the Connecticut State Football Association, and before that, he had headed the North Massachusetts Association. He was also known as one of the country's best and most experienced Knights of the Whistle. He refereed ASL fixtures, including the 3-3 draw between Philadelphia and New York mentioned earlier, and had previously worked a National Challenge Cup final. Soccer officials were alerted to the problem when his wife called to say he hadn't been home. An investigation revealed that he hadn't been seen at work after calling in sick two weeks before. Eventually, Schofield would be located a few years later in North Carolina, having remarried. Although no charges were filed in the embezzlement of USFA funds, he eventually would spend time in jail for bigamy. It does not appear that he stole any ASL funds. However, the episode was still a blow to the league since it forced ASL head Thomas Cahill to return to his old position as secretary of the National Association. So the American Soccer League had faced some serious challenges in the early days of its first season. What would it face in the future? Could Philadelphia and Todd's Shipyard maintain their position at the top of the table, effectively making it a two-team league? Would another club emerge from the pack and go on a run to challenge for the title? For answers to these questions and more, continue listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. Sources for today's program include the Dave Wangering Collection at the University of Massachusetts Special Collections, along with his book, Soccer in a Football World, Colin Joes' The American Soccer League, and the Encyclopedia of American Soccer History by Roger Alloway, Colin Joes, and David Litterer. Additional information came from the New York Tribune, www.bethlehemsteelsoccer.org, and the archives of the New York Times. Music from archive.org. Thank you for listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. For more information, visit www soccerhistoryusa.org and follow me on Twitter at Soccer History US. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thank you. <laughs>